love it that you're here this morning and we get to hang out together and just praise God together. We, um, it's interesting as we think about moving from holiday to holiday, right? Uh, do you know we're never past Thanksgiving? Because every day is Thanksgiving. Uh, God says, in all things, give thanks. And so uh, I'm grateful that we get to gather this morning, and I'm grateful that uh, God has, <clears throat> we have moved now through, we're in the Bible. I just thought I'd tell you, if you're not familiar, we, we are. We've been reading through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation from January to December, and we worked our way through the Old Testament all the way up through the, the prophets, well, the you know, the five, first five, the Torah book and then the, the histories and then the, the, the wisdom literatures and then the prophets and then we, we went through the gospels and, and, and uh, then we made it through Acts last week. So this week we're into Romans and we've been re- reading. If you're reading through the Bible, we, many of us are using the Bible Project, the reading plan that they have. And so, um, so now we're in Romans and we only have one week in Romans. Uh, which uh, I had already decided that next year I'm going to spend a whole quarter in Romans, the third quarter of the year next year. We're going to make our way through Romans and and see it uh, as as Paul laid it out. Because quite honestly, uh, Romans is a it's, it's an incredible book. Uh, just the message from this morning uh, in Romans 12 is is one of the in my view, and and it's just an opinion, and you can share it or reject it. But uh, anyway, I just think it's one of the most powerful. Uh, two verse passages that we'll look at this morning okay God has spoken all the messages are entitled God said it because God has spoken from outside of time into time from infinity into the chaos and void of nothingness that God created everything that we see by his spoken word let there be and there was I don't care what you want to name let there be light trees cattle whatever God spoke it into existence. So when you see part of God's natural creation, you know that is the manifestation of God's spoken word. He spoke it into existence. Second, uh, God said it is, is we have God's written word, the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. I believe he breathed it out to those writers. He is the author, but the writers put it down and God has preserved it by his spirit so that we have 66 books that we can be confident in that God has given us these books and God has preserved them through the ages and God didn't call us to be editors and he didn't call us to be redactors you don't get to throw out the parts you don't like you don't even get to reinterpret it because of something you believe in today that wasn't believed in before all right just want you to know it's not up to us that way we read the Bible we discern it by the illumination of God's spirit and obey it all right third thing is the living word of God which is Jesus himself John tells us in the beginning of the gospel of John that the word became flesh well in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory glory is of the only begotten of the father and so God has spoken the challenge for me every day, not just Sundays or not just preparing something to say or, or something to bring to worship on Sunday mornings, but am I listening? More than that, am I, am I paying attention to what it is that God is saying to, yes, us collectively, but am I paying attention each day to what God is saying to me, to what God is revealing of himself to me, you see? So the title of the message, to what end? Where are we going, y'all? What's up? 
I mean, you know, the great philosophical questions. How'd I get here? Where am I going? Why? What's next? All that stuff about, to what end? Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I think. Gives us an incredible outline, and, and we're going to consider it today. So read with me, if you will. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, so sometimes it reads differently from the King James that I memorized as a child. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body... And all the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading. With diligence, showing mercy, with cheerfulness. There's a lot in those eight verses. Pray with me. Father, indeed, we bow before you now, giving thanks. Giving thanks in all things. Giving thanks in the day, in the morning, in the oxygen, in the trees. Giving thanks for life. Giving thanks for for our worship family this morning. Giving thanks for our families. Giving thanks for the opportunities that we have to be a part of your family, this body, as Paul describes it, the body of Christ, with Christ at the head. That, God, we have an opportunity to love each other, to love you, yes, to love each other. God, help us to recognize those things that you are saying to us, that we might understand and be obedient in them. And so, God, I I praise you. Help us to understand uh, just the, the, the weight of this passage. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a friend, and, and he might be watching. He he was a he was a, a pastor up in Maryland. He was the uh, uh chairman of deacons when I went to Town Baptist Church. His name's Ron Slayton, and he he's just a, a, a genuine real just a great guy and uh, he had been a pastor in the past and uh really came to a point with the body of christ and that sort of thing that he was he he really believed that he was not qualified that he had disqualified himself or or that somehow because of whatever that he couldn't be a pastor anymore well he he ended up being the interim pastor at town before i got there and and just preached and loved those people and all that sort of thing and uh and ron had some some history in his life that uh some some alcoholism and and he's told the story so i don't mind telling the story i'm not revealing a past that people don't know he 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 had some other things in his history that he just really felt this this unworthiness okay 
And yet when he would get up to share the word of God and he would talk about the very thing that we're going to spend some time about this morning, that the minute he would talk about God saving him and God loving him and God forgiving him, he would just start crying. I mean, he was right in the middle of preaching. Oh, man, he just started up. And there were a lot of people in the congregation that just didn't like it. Ron would cry when he was preaching. There's a lot of guys that just, oh, man, they just react so negatively to it. I always just thought, you know what? When that happened, that was just God poking him to remind him. God just saying to Ron, just remember. I love you. Remember what I've done for you. Remember how good I've been to you. See that? And it would just cause Ron this this emotional just upheaval every time. It wasn't like it ever passed. He just realized that God had done such an incredible work on his behalf for him in his life that every time he would acknowledge it, he would just in tears share, you know, that God had redeemed him, that God had saved him, that God had forgiven him. Man, I just, I I thought about him. All right, so I've looked at this passage a number of ways this week. You ready? I have preached uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 before. I've always preached it from this idea of God's command. That there's a command there that we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices. You know, and then there's the old preacher joke that the only problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. Right? It's a preacher joke. If y'all hadn't heard it, then... Anyway, but the command's there. Present your bodies as living sacrifice. Holy and... So so the command there is is that in, in, in whatever capacity we have to avoid sin, to avoid unholiness, to avoid ungodliness, to avoid being unpleasing to God, then it is incumbent upon us by the Spirit of God in us to live righteous and holy lives. But I've preached it. And, and then I've preached it from this, this, this gratitude kind of thing that because God has given to you, it's incumbent upon us to give back. Because Jesus sacrificed himself for us, then, then we're in turn supposed to sacrifice ourselves for him. And then it was just yesterday. Yesterday morning, as a matter of fact, as I... I did run yesterday. Those of you that I tell you I don't run anymore, I I went out and did eight miles, uh, four of which I ran. <laughs> Sounds good to say eight miles, right? <laughs> but but I do it street to street to street to street. So I run a street, walk a street, run a street. And then when I flip around, it's the opposite. So I know that if I go eight miles, then I've run four and I've walked four. So I'm hurting right now, just so y'all know. (laughs) My legs are screaming at me. But yesterday morning as I was running and I was was just trying to pay attention 
to what God was saying. And, and I was reminded that, yes, Thursday was what we refer to as thanksgiving, to give thanks, to show appreciation, to have a, a heart of gratitude, of gratefulness. And, and I'm afraid I grew up in, in, in the church, church culture. You know, I don't ever remember not going to church, right? It's only in my adult life that I've realized that church is not where you go. Church is who you are, right? We're the body of Christ. We're the church. This is a building, and where we gather is, is immaterial. I mean, last week we talked about Tyrannus's Hall, and that it's important not to be here, but it's important that we gather. It's important that the body of Christ come together for the purpose of worship. And so I was reflecting on last week and coming through thanksgiving and gratitude and appreciation and, and God was just sharing in my heart and in my mind as I was preaching that, that, that worship... To declare God's worth in our lives, to live out his worth-ship in our lives. It's response. God didn't obligate us to the law. Read Romans, all of it. See, God didn't obligate us to the law. All right? Uh, God, God didn't obligate us to, to give as if we could some proportionate gift back to him. God called us to recognize, to see, to understand and appreciate what he gave us. Now, the CSB words it this way. Paul is obviously addressing the, the body of Christ in Rome, specifically in the Roman Empire in a larger sense, and thus us as well. We can read this as God's word to us, inspired by God through the pen of Paul that speaks down through the 2,000 years. Okay? Therefore, brothers and sisters... Can I just go ahead and tell you that no matter what the culture says, that's the two things. <laughs> that includes everybody in the room, brothers and sisters. Okay, just want to make that point. I noticed that. I was looking at it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you mean not something else? No, anyway. Sorry, I can get carried away sometimes. This is the phrase that hit me like a brick wall yesterday. In view of the mercies of God. In view of. Do you see God's mercy? I mean, we can, we, we, we can systematically, we can theologically, we can, you know, church governance is called polity. Right? Or you might see doctrinally. We can come together as a body 
and in such a way say, well, these are the precepts or the tenets of our salvation. This is what we acknowledge in order to, to, uh, to, to recognize and understand that God saved us, how God saved us, and to what God has saved us. And you can work that out academically, intellectually, and in every way you want to. Write a book. People have systems of theology, systematic theology. And I'm not opposed to it. I'm not, I, I'm not standing up here and telling you that, that it, it's, it's not a good thing or, or that it's a bad thing or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is that when we relegate faith, when we relegate who we are in Christ to the academics of it or the, the structures of, of polity, then it's easy for us to overlook. It's easy for us not to have a heart consideration of what God accomplished in making us His. You see, God's perfect and holy and righteous. (coughs) In order for us to be His, He had to make us perfect and holy and righteous. Not he will make us perfect and holy and righteous. See, at the crucifixion, at the shed blood of Christ, and and in the resurrection, we have been made perfect and holy and righteous. God doesn't see your sin, but that doesn't mean that the next part of this passage isn't, isn't relevant to us. Right? So, so when we see that where it says, in view of the mercies of God. Tender mercies. Loving mercies. Man, as I was praying about this yesterday, I admit, while I was running, I was crying. And I was weeping and just thanking God for His love for me. Mercy is that quality that He didn't give me what I deserved. In salvation, in forgiveness. I received so much more than I deserve. And then I was running and I was weeping and I was like, Ron Slayton, you. Right? I mean, Ron was this guy that he was a great friend of mine. He still is. He lives, you know, they're still there just a great friend of mine and I was like you big crybaby and then I realized I wasn't calling Ron a crybaby I was calling myself a crybaby but to see in view of now a lot of translations we all memorized it in King James if you're a churchy person right I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God Right? That, that's the way we, we, we memorized it. I urge you, in view of what God has already done on your behalf, in your life, in eternity, in, in heaven as it is on earth, God has already saved you. See that? He's already established you. So so what is this verse about? This is about worship. 
It's not about the the legalism or the obligation of it or the mandating of it. It's that because God has been so good to us. The only response, the only response is worship. You see, all of all of Romans, when we start to deal with it next year, it's basically a couple of parts. And I've listened to a couple of preachers this week and so, seen several outlines because I'm working on the messages for next year already. I had people used to say, well, that's not following the Spirit. And I was like, no, <laughs> Spirit already knows what's going to happen next fall. I'm just trying to listen to him, okay? <clears throat> but as I was putting some of these things together, the whole first part of Romans is about who God is. The last part of Romans is about who we are in view of who God is. See that? Wow. Who are you? Present. Make a present of your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means that from the point of salvation, from the point of God's redemption, that, that we no longer live for ourselves. We're going to get this over and over again throughout Paul's writing. It's not about us and how we live and what we want and what, what we achieve and, and, and the, 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 the stuff we stack up in our barns. It's about the fact that I am already been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. So when I saw the word present, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, pleasing, holy and pleasing to God. It's your true worship. Nick pointed out this morning that there's an order here. <laughs> you can't present yourself to God apart from the fact that he's already shown you his mercies. So that comes first. God saves you. When I look at this presentation of the who, the what, the, you know, this, this, this body, because it says your bodies. And I think he's leading into the next part of his discussion on the body of Christ and our understanding of that is that, that what is it you're giving God? What, 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 what are you offering him? Right? Guess what? By the time you get my age and some of you are older than me. <laughs> ain't so much here to give him anymore right he don't want my knees I know that been running for 40 years right but as 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 much as it depends on me to offer him holy worship to offer him surrender not, not, not to stand in my own little sin pile and demand what I deserve or my rights or my, my, my. How? How do we give ourselves to him? You see, and I'll go through the, and John's got the outline up there, but it's not really following that this morning. But salvation, redemption, that is God's mercy. See, our response is worship. And when we worship, God reveals more and more of himself to us. Every day, we've got everything of God in, in salvation and the spirit of God. And, and yet, as we mature and grow up in the faith, we see 
more of God and it changes who we are. Verse 2 is harsh. But get ready. Here we go. Do not be conformed to this age or world as some translations say. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Do you know in a, uh, um, in a sin state in your life, you can't figure out what's the good and perfect will of God? Because in a sin state, you stomp on the, yeah, I want what I want when I want it. Can't you just see that standing before the fruit tree in the garden, Adam and Eve? I want what I want when I want it. And it infected us. Do not be conformed. Do we realize how much of this world is conforming? You want me to throw out some, some lines in the sand, so to speak? Is politics conforming? Is education conforming? Is cultural expectation conforming? Yeah. We submit ourselves by the very nature of our society to the conformation of the world. And God says, do not be conformed to this world. So there's an alternative to being conformed to this world. There's an alternative. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here, 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 here's the difficult thing. <clears throat> what are you putting in your mind? What are you allowing to conform you? Do, do you accept what the world says? Do you just fall in line with the rest of everybody else? With what's going on in the world? Or do you know what God has revealed in His Word and let God's Word transform you by the renewing of your mind? All right, so here you go. We've been in this now for 11 months. If you watch the news, read this more. If you watch television, read God's Word more. If you listen to other people's opinions, get into the Bible more. All right? If you, if you pay attention to commercials, and thankfully they've changed in the last two weeks, Get into the Bible more than you do anything else. Because it's in that that God's renewing takes place. You see? I don't want to be conformed by the culture. I don't want to be a clone of everything that's going on in the world around me. I want to be alive and new in the transformation of who God is. You see? For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. 
<laughs> I had a guy sit down in my office up in Maryland. He'd been in church all his life. He'd been a deacon. He'd been all those things. And, and uh, quite honestly, the family was not doing well and everything. So he came to my office to talk to the pastor. <laughs> like I knew something. Came to talk to the pastor. And he started telling And I'd say, what but? And he'd say something else. And I'd go, what the but? And he'd say something else. Go, but but. Now, y'all know me well enough to know that I don't, mm, it didn't come out right. I said, well, look, I don't know why you're here because you already know it all. <laughs> and he just went, right? He had all the answers. He simply wasn't living it out. He thought himself something more than he was because the, 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 the life he was living was not producing what God had outlined. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. You've known people that had stronger faith than you. You've run across them. I mean, I remember those classes where I say, think of the best Christian you know. Right? Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ individually members of one another according to the grace given to us. We have different gifts. And here's where people just love to get hung up. Right? People love to get hung up. Uh, like, 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 and, and I told, I've, I've said it here before. Guess, you know what the gift is? The gift is the Spirit. And He works in us to accomplish these things. Prophecy. Use it according to the proportion of one's faith. Service, service, teaching, teaching, exhorting. I almost see the redundancy of what he's saying. If you've been given teaching, then teach. If you've been given exhortation, then exhort. Right? If you've been given generosity, then, 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 then do it generously, leading, do it with diligence and showing mercy with cheerfulness. What has God given you? Are you doing it? I love in, in churchianity when people say, yeah, I taught Sunday school for 30 years. I'm retired now. <laughs> really? Okay. So what does it all come down to? Why love God? Why worship God? Why serve God? Why sit in comfortable red chairs on Sunday morning for an hour? Because He gave you mercy. He loved you first. Now love Him back. Love Him back. Not because it's reciprocal, because you can't love as much as God loves. But He has called us to love Him back. Why? Because he would have loved you anyway. He did love you anyway. Just don't miss it. Man, we're getting ready to roll into Christmas, and yeah, we don't do Advent, Advent wreath and all that kind of stuff, but guess what? We're going to anticipate Sunday, December 25th. We're going to look forward to the celebration of the birth of our Savior. See that? And I know people have read it and 
read the histories of it. And yeah, sometimes some of our tradition doesn't match up with what the Bible says. And yet we are still going to celebrate the fact that Jesus was born. God gave his only son so that I wouldn't have to perish if I but believe. He loved me. He loves me now. He loves you. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus this morning, okay? We're going to sing one last song. Give you the opportunity to respond to God any way you want to. If you don't know Jesus, what the Bible says, we, we have to recognize our sin and confess it and repent of it and receive the salvation that God has offered in the shed blood of Christ. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for today and the opportunity, God, that we have to, to gather and worship. And, and God, it's, it, it's, it's more than an opportunity, this privilege we have. There are people all around the world that don't have this privilege. So God, I pray that as we gather and as there are those who gather online and, and God gather in other places, my little sister for one, God, I know that God, we worship you in view of because we've recognized and seen your incredible love for us. And God, it's just one expression of loving you back. So God, help us to love you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.